Ah, yes. Every nerd rejoices. May the fourth be with you. That is the edition of the Daily Wager podcast you are listening to right now. We have got you covered with a variety of action for tonight, ranging from basketball to the PGA Tour. So sit back and relax and let us get you set with everything you need to know heading into the betting day. All right, here we go. Welcome back to the Daily Wager podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. He's Tyler Foljam. I'm Joe Fortinball, and we're about to rip through some basketball on a loaded card that's going to feature some hockey, Stanley Cup playoffs in full swing, and some golf as well. Let's begin in the association. 7.30 tonight is your tip. The Miami Heat lead their Eastern Conference semifinal series against the Philadelphia 76ers, one game to none. Miami laying eight, total of 207 and a half. Mr. Foljam, the floor is yours. How are you going to play this game? My favorite uh, way to attack it is the uh, Sixers team total under 99 and a half. And I lean kind of just mildly like laying the eight with the heat. Um, We know this is a slow paced series. Um, and I don't think much positive regression is coming for the 76ers offense without Joel Embiid. You think it's coming from James Harden? Is he going to be any better? I don't think so. Tyrese Maxey is clearly a much better player at home than he is on the road, averaging 24 points per game this postseason at Wells Fargo versus 18 points per game on the road. Miami has the second best defensive rating of any team this postseason behind only the Milwaukee Bucks, and Philadelphia scored 22 or fewer points in three of the four quarters in game one. So I look at quarter two where they scored 29 is the outlier. Um, so I just think Miami's defense is too good. I think they're at home and going to dominate control uh, tempo, which will be slow and make life miserable again for James Harden and his teammates. I'm with you in the assessment that I lean to Miami. I, I don't know if I'm all the way there for a big bet on minus eight, but if I'm playing the side, that's where I'd go. We'll try to thread the heatle here, near here, near here. <laughs> I could probably say that for like an hour and not get it right. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I am going to play the game over 207 and a half. So the bookmakers put in all the research. They know Joel Embiid's out. They know Miami's in the lead defense. They know Philadelphia's going to struggle to score. And they say to themselves, game one, total 210 and a half. 210 and a half is what they say. And what we end up getting is a horrific shooting night from both teams, especially from deep, as they go out in that matchup and they combine to shoot, I believe, 15 of 70 from deep, 21%. You only had 38 total free throws in that game and a very slow pace. And with all that being said, 198 points still hit the board, 198. So we don't need a whole lot to change from game one. We can still have a slow pace. We can still have a bad shooting night. We can still have a very low total of free throws. We just need like three more three-pointers to drop, which means instead of going 15 from 70, you go 18 from 70, and we go over the total of 207 and a half. So that's my logic here. I think the bookmakers moving it down three points was a little too much. I got a prop for this game as well. Jimmy Butler, I go over six and a half rebounds here. Philly got absolutely worked on the glass in game one. Atrocious, out-rebounded 47 to 37. Butler only averages about six rebounds per game during the regular season. He pulled down nine in game one, and he only played 30 minutes. So keep that in mind. Jimmy Butler over six and a half rebounds. Game number two, let's head out west, 10 p.m. Eastern. Phoenix up one game to none against Dallas in their Western Conference semifinal. Suns laying six, total of 216. What does your card look like for this one? Yeah, again, I feel more comfortable playing a total here, and I'll play the game total over 216, although I do have a slight preference for Mavs plus six versus Suns minus six. Let's start with that total. Um, You know I've been harping 
all season long on unders when the Dallas Mavericks are playing at home. This game, yes, of course, sir. is in Phoenix. And we, the defense not quite as good, the pace not quite as slow when Dallas is not on their home floor. So we saw, what, 230 points, something like that in game one. We have a margin for error in terms of regression to still go over. And Phoenix is what's really driving this. Phoenix has not shot less than 50% from the floor in any of their playoff games. They are a wildly efficient offense, especially now that Devin Booker is back. Their 119.5 offensive rating is best amongst all playoff teams. Dallas, meanwhile, takes and makes more three-point field goals than any team this postseason. And they're also fifth in three-point field goal percentage amongst the 16 teams that have played postseason basketball. So they, if they can get hot and have some positive regression shooting the three, especially from guys like Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, then they can provide their end of the bargain as well. I just... In this series, I'm just going to tell you what I'm going to do. Games in Phoenix, I'm going to play overs. Games in Dallas, I'm going to play under. So speaking of overs, there are a couple player props that I like since I like the game to go over. Luka Doncic over 51 and a half par. Yes, this is high, but and Luka's due for some regression after a 45-point game, but he might be the greatest postseason performer we've seen in terms of a box score in NBA history. In 17 games, he averages 33.4 points, 9.3 rebounds, and 8.8 assists per game in his playoff career that 33.4 point per game average is tied with Michael Jordan for the greatest or highest in postseason history yet Luca only plays 38 minutes per game to MJ's 41 minutes per game in the postseason and MJ certainly wasn't giving us you know basically 18 rebounds and assists on top of that he's also a more efficient shooter than MJ so uh, even with regression from that 45 burger that he put up in game one in a pseudo want to win uh, game two before they go back to Dallas, try and even the series up. I think Luke was going to be on the floor a lot. And I think there's no defense, even Phoenix's that can handle him when he is on Chris Paul, I think is another um, bet that I lean towards the over in terms of par. He only played 28 minutes in game one, but at 19, five and three, um, the assist will be some positive regression there. I don't think he's only going to have three assists. And I, since I think the Mavs are going to keep this game closer, since I kind of lean plus six, I think 28 minutes is going to be surpassed pretty easily by CP3 in this game. So more minutes uh, and more assists on the floor in this one. I'm going over 31 and a half par for CP3, over 51 and a half par for Luca. I think we see uh, a, a tighter game that does go over the total again. Interesting. You and I find ourselves at odds on the first two games. I would be playing the under here. Uh, both teams shooting the lights out, in my opinion. Not so much shooting the lights out. You're right about Phoenix. 50% in every single game. I don't know if we can sit there and say, well, that's going to come down because it hasn't yet through how many playoff games. Both teams look pretty good from deep. Phoenix was about 40% in game one. Dallas was 47% from the floor, 41% from deep. Numbers, 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 numbers. What I think is going to happen here is Phoenix got absolutely rolled in game one, and they realized they cannot play at this type of pace against Dallas, Phoenix. you mean. Dallas, yes, Phoenix. excuse yeah. me. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Look at you. Look at how astute you are this early in the morning. There's your what? first upset of the day. <laughs> I've had my coffee, brother. There you go. I just ultimately think if you're Dallas, the adjustments you need to make regard slowing this thing down. You are not going to get into a track meet with Phoenix and win, like you said, and it was an astute point. They're just too efficient offensively. Booker can have an off night like he did, and they can still put up a big number and beat you handily. I think a lot of people look at that score from the last game and they say, well, Phoenix only won by seven. I think the bookmakers see that too, and they send them out as a six-point favorite again. I was a little bit surprised. It has me leaning to Phoenix, but I think ultimately in this game, Dallas tries to slow it down. It's their best chance of winning, and as a result, we go under. But if I get burned, you made a lot of good points for the over. It's not going to surprise me. It's not a bet I love, but it is a bet yeah. I'm playing. As to the prop market, one I do like, 
Devin Booker over 25 and a half points, a little counterproductive to bet the under and then come out and take Booker's over. But based on what we saw, it was his worst shooting performance of the postseason in game one. He was 35% from the field, seven of 20. He was just one of five from deep and he still finished with 23 points still. So I think tonight, if he knocks down a few more buckets, he ends up going over the total. A uh, little NHL action for tonight. Anything catch your eye for the Stanley Cup playoffs? There's one game I was looking at. Yeah, I'm, I'm only really looking at my series with my Blues. Uh, happy with the 4-0 uh, game one win on the road in Minnesota where the Wild had been so dominant. Um, I played the over in that game, and Minnesota brought nothing to the table. The Blues gave us four goals. Um, I would lean towards the over here again. It's six goals, minus 125 to the over is the juice. Um, but one of my favorite ways to attack this game is actually a player prop. And that is, um, the dynamic, uh, score for Minnesota, Kirill Kaprizov over three and a half shots at even money. Um, Kaprizov had five shots on goal in game one and 18 minutes of ice time. He's had four more shots on goal in five of his last seven games. And of course, Minnesota was shut out on their home ice in game one. I imagine they're going to try and be uber aggressive in the offensive zone and throw as many pucks as they can at Billy Huso to try and break the dam and get their first tally in this uh, in this series. So for a guy who was fifth in the NHL in scoring, fifth in goals scored during the regular season, I think Minnesota is going to ask Kaprizov to be super aggressive. He's got all the skill and speed in the world. I think he's going to fire a lot of pucks on that uh, to try and be the best option for Minnesota to break through and get their first goal in this series. So I made one bet yesterday is my first and only bet so far in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I had the over in the Nashville, Colorado game. It was six and a half. I got five goals in the first period, all from Colorado. And I ended up going over in the second period. I thought to myself, what if I just didn't make another hockey bet the rest of the playoffs and then repeatedly said I'm undefeated betting postseason hockey? People would not be able to stop me. I could go down as the greatest 2022 hockey postseason better of all time. But then I realized, I'm partially a degenerate and I want action. So I am going to come back the next night, the very next night. I'm going to play the, the uh, Boston Bruins, even money over Carolina. People will look at the series. Carolina smoked, at least on the surface, smoked Boston in game one, five to one. So it's a big bounce back spot for the Bruins. But the reality is if you go inside some of the advanced metrics of that game, uh, Boston's shot opportunities versus Carolina's shot opportunities all that stuff was relatively even. The floodgates just opened for Carolina. The Bruins were really sloppy on special teams. I think they cleaned that up tonight. I think we're getting a good price in the Bruins at even money over Carolina in game two of their series. Finally, the Wells Fargo is this weekend. It is Wednesday. What do you have on your card? Yeah, um, I noticed that we kind of like uh, a similar or a golfer. Similarly, you have him uh, outright 50 to one to win. And I have him on a uh, fantasy before- lineup. Before anyone even can guess who he is, I'm going to give you one hint. The worst dressed golfer on tour. That's who you are referring to. The guy we both like. He's the worst dressed golfer on tour. So pause the podcast right now. Think about who that is and then hit play and see if you know as Tyler's about to reveal. All right. After that pause, I'll give you one more final hint that should give it away. He might be the worst tipper on tour as well. (laughs) That should give it to you. The answer is? Matt Kuchar. <laughs> Cooch. Uh, yeah, at 50 to 1, I don't mind the outright uh, that you're throwing out there. I have him in my daily fantasy lineup. Um, this is a par 70 TPC Avenel um, that is actually short in overall distance, but has a lot of long par 4. So par 4 scoring and iron play, um, accurate iron play, are going to be the 
um, traits that you want to most identify or find in your golfers to do well here. And Kuchar's third on tour this season in par four scoring by an only Cam Smith and Justin Thomas. I mean, Cam Smith and Justin Thomas are two of the best golfers in the world. And we, I mean, Kuchar, you know, has been around for a long time. But in terms of talent, he's not close to Smith and Thomas. And yet he's third on tour in par four scoring. So with only two par fives to try and attack, par four scoring will be very, very important here. He's got back-to-back top three finishes his last two times out at the RBC Heritage in Bolero, Texas Open. And he's first in the entire field. Joe and strokes gained around the green. So we both like Cooch. Russell Henley, I think, is going to be popular because of his ability with his irons. I think Tyrrell Hatton is worth a play as well. Here's a guy who's got four top tens this season, has made 10 of 11 cuts, strong iron player as well. Um, but someone whose short game can come and go and his um, you know, mental makeup sometimes he loses his cool out there. But uh, he's been a machine this year. He's been in top 26. In seven of his last eight worldwide events, the only one he didn't finish top 26 was the Masters, where he went 79 and 80 on the weekend. But he was kind of right there through the first uh, couple of days. So um, he's been on fire this season. And then I'll throw a dart with Ryan Armour. He finished second last time this event was played at TPC Avenel in 2018. He is also a very strong iron player and uh, one of the top 25 or 30 in the world, I believe, in terms of par four scoring. So there's a dart throw with Armour, but I know we both kind of like Matt Kuchar as well. Rare situation where this podcast can absolutely guarantee you some winners since Tyler and I find ourselves on opposite ends of the spectrum for a few of these games. So you're welcome. You're welcome for the guaranteed (laughs) locks. It's up to you to figure out which ones those are. That's it for today. Thanks so much for checking us out. ESPN 2, 6 p.m. Eastern, your latest installment of Daily Wager. He's Tyler Foljam. I'm Joe Fortenball. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning.